Well, welcome again uh, to the Vine Christian Community Church. Um, we're today looking at uh, the next part of Malachi, which is to do with tithing. Uh, this part, I would say, is um, is something that is can be somewhat contentious amongst churches, um, and it is a interesting one to to look at. Um, just just on the basis of even the, the context of the text itself and what it means. Um, most of the arguments that uh, are presented are, are all about whether it's uh, what's said in the Old Testament and now what's said in the New Testament. Um, but just to give you an idea, tithing in general, if you don't know, is, is a, a direct translation of 10% where God's people give 10% of what they earn through, uh, be that grain or, or whatever uh, they would uh, consider to be... Um, that they they earned so they would give that to god 10 percent of that would go to him uh, and i think today it's helpful to understand where does the church um stand or where should it stand today where should we as people as individuals stand when it comes to the subject of tithing uh, and as i said it can be somewhat contentious but i think it's helpful for us to understand the context of that uh of tithing in the old testament and look at what is behind this concept of giving sacrificially today um, so today I hope for us to understand uh, that ultimately whilst we're no longer bound by the law uh, of the Old Testament, particularly in tithing, uh, Christ in fulfilling the law in the Old Testament does not cancel out the law. And crucially what I hope uh, we can understand today is God never changes uh, regardless of how we might express our giving. Um, and the importance of changing uh, from a demand to a demand to tithe, which is kind of what we see a command to tithe, and um, what we what we see in a shift in the New Testament is a response to tithe, uh, and because uh, what that comes down to is God's grace through Jesus Christ. So that's what that is acknowledging. So there's a slight a change in how we approach uh, things like tithing, but maybe it could be better described as of a changing of our attitude from uh, I should give to one of why wouldn't I give. Um, from instruction to inspired is probably a, a sh even shorter way of describing uh, the position we should take on, on how we give sacrificially. Um, but before I get into the verse, I think it's important uh, to state my own pos position in regards to tithing. And um, it's, I think it's important, I've seen lots of great preachers and teachers teach on this subject. Um, but often I think probably uh, there's a slight misunderstanding. Uh, maybe people think there's something going on with, with pastors uh, preaching on tithing and telling church, telling church members to give more money maybe and things like that. But uh, I, I think probably good to just uh, declare my interest in this uh, and, and just so you're, you're clear of my motives in this subject. Uh, I, I don't take a, a salary from the church and I work part-time in another job and God has blessed blessed us in that in that I can do that. My wife has a full-time job, so there's no requirement for me to be paid by the church. That being said, uh, I still support wholeheartedly ministers and pastors uh, being paid by the church because that's just uh, for that context and that's fine. That's good because even Paul talks about being paid by the church for the work of the church. And so also do not imply that paid or unpaid pastors are compromised or not in this message in any way because of it. What I will say is that 
there is one condition to this, uh, and, and that is health, wealth, and prosperity teaching, um, which in my view abuses the principle of tithing in that the way the money is used is, is somewhat questionable to say the least. So I'll declare quite openly, apologies for that, uh, quite openly my position in this. Um, and, and there we are. Um, from a tithing point of view, um, we, my wife and I, we, we believe in the tithing principle uh, in the, it's the, the 10% uh, to give regularly to the church. Uh, this is not about uh, bragging or that we're able to or not able to and things like that, but um, uh, or not putting down anyone that can't practice that, it's, it's fine. It's, it's really just so you understand uh, the position that I'm coming from uh, when I preach on this subject. And I think subjects like these are particularly important when, when there is a potential, what people might perceive as a conflict of interest. Um, so, but I believe in a way that something, if something is done biblically, then it's right for me to practice that first, save any hypocrisy. So that all said, and that all kind of out the way, um, let's just have a look at what our message is today. So I've named this God Gives More, uh, Malachi 3, verse 6, is, uh, 6 to 12, um, really on the basis that um, the verses talk about, as we'll find, um, God giving more than we could ever give. Uh, and, and that's something we'll, we'll dig into. We'll dig into the motives of what God is, how God is using tithing to bring us to, to a wider, a better understanding of, of, of how the practical um, action of tithing actually helps us to spiritually grow as well. Um, uh, not that it's a religious or repetitive thing that we should just give money after money after money. Um, so let's read and then, and then we can get into um, what, the, what these verses I believe are saying today. So Malachi 3 verse 6 to 12, it says this, uh, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Uh, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will... Uh, yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, so let's, uh, let's start by understanding where God's people are. They, they are skeptic, uh, as, as we can often be sometimes in our lives. They are skeptic and doubting of God, as we've been learning, um, of God doing anything for them whatsoever. So what they do in response to this attitude is to stop giving offering and tithes. I think the best way to see an example of this today is, is through the church. Uh, in my experience, there are probably two um, <clears throat> things that people do uh, when they uh, do not agree with how the church is being led, uh, either being led, managed, or, or even disagree with the direction 
of the church. The first reaction uh, is to stop giving money to the church. That's something we do, isn't it? We, we do want to show our, um, how displeased we are with the way things are going. So we, we like to act in the physical. We like to make a statement. So we do things like uh, not uh, stop giving money to the church. The second is to purposefully stop going to church altogether. And of course, this can be a combination of both. So what you're seeing is this outward action all the time. There's a, there's a sense of, of, of outward response uh, from us uh, that we might do, whether that's right or wrong in those times, uh, that we might do to express something. Uh, and so God, what we read in these verses, is helping us for a practical sense. Uh, and he, he talks about how, we, how his people got to bring all the whole tithe into the storehouse uh, and how it will help them. But then goes on to say how that practice is not on it in itself going to uh, solve anything, but actually that wholeheartedly giving to him will uh, improve their relationship with him, will restore their relationship with him. So God is using a practical uh, means by which we can uh, express our, our love for him, our, 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 our thankfulness for him. And, and so he, he does that here. And so these are actions that we perform uh, practically at the extreme end to probably express our disagreement with the church. And the reason why that's important to raise uh, is that what Malachi is expressing is in one form uh, a call to spiritual return to God, but also a practical return to God as well. As God knows, we are both practical and spiritual people. What God does first is to state that he does not change. In, his statement, in this statement alone, God is conveying that it is not him that has changed, but his people. And now I want to be clear about this because I think this is really helpful. Um, we're, we're very quick, especially when we talk about tithing, uh, to dismiss certain elements or certainly even tithing itself um, because uh, it's, it's the Old Testament. Uh, and what I'm really trying to speak about today is a principle of tithing that will help us to understand how we're meant to give to God and how God wants us to give to him through the means that we have from him. Uh, it's interesting that it's, we get from him and we give back to him and then we, keep, we get more from him. I'll speak more about that. It's not about getting rich. It's not about getting wealthy. Uh, we'll speak more about that. Anyway, so in this statement, God is conveying that it's not for him. Uh, not him that's changed, but his people. So he's saying, I, I've not changed. You've misunderstood. You, you, you're, caught, you're asking me these questions, but I've never left you. Uh, you have walked away from me. So any perceived hardships his people are complaining about and blaming God for is not because of God changing how he deals with people, uh, but instead how his people deal with him. Uh, and it's just in this, certainly in this section here that we're looking at, what we're trying to understand is our actions have ramifications on our relationship with God. And that's what happens here. We've seen this in, the, in much of the Old Testament, certainly, as we've been going through it, that the impact that we can have on, the, on our relationship with God, not that God's relationship changes with us, um, but actually we can affect uh, how much that relationship um, is 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 growing uh, or not. And so what we need to do is just remember what has happened uh, here is that God's people are living in a way that practically expresses their, their what we found out last week is their disbelief of God 
they verged onto the fact that does God really exist? And we re read that last week. But here's this verse in Hosea 14, verse 1. And it says, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. This is the actions of God's people uh, that have caused their own downfall. Uh, we see this in Genesis. We've seen this all through the Bible where, where we, because we take on corporate responsibility as a people, uh, that we acknowledge that we have ruined the relationship with our God. And so here it just it comes back again, this, this reminder that God never changes and we flip from one thing to the other. We do change and worship other things. We change our relationship with God by how we, uh, by how we, we engage with him. Because it could be down to an event that happened in our lives. It could be something that is, is just is not, is not connected with us quite right. So, so we cause a change in that relationship. But here, as described in the verses, they cause their own downfall. downfall. God, in fact, offers a way out of that downfall by stating firmly the only way out of it is through repentance and return to God. So what we understand at this point is that God's people who are free to determine their actions, be it for or against God, whilst being rebuked by God, are still offered a way back to him. So God is angry, righteously angry, but in his anger, he says, and in all his questions, you ask me this, you ask me that, he still says, and I will bless you abundantly if you return to me. So then they ask, how do we return and how have we robbed you? Let's, let's deal with the, the robbing aspect of what this says here. What we know is that God's people have been giving lame sacrifices. Up until this point, we know that previously that we've been reading about um, they've been given lame sacrifices, getting into idolatry of other gods, um, but at the same time have been wailing, as we also learned, wailing and lamenting and crying to God because their lives are filled with trouble. Uh, it's, it's interesting, I find, that when I look around just generally in society, uh, maybe things we see on the news, um, that uh, we, we often try to find something else or someone else to blame for what is our own actions, our own things that we do. Uh, because uh, because we don't want to look in ourselves, we don't want to see that actually God is right about us, uh, that we are broken inside and we need a saviour. And we do have one in Jesus if we give our lives to him, if we say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me for my sins, forgive me for my ignorance of who you are and your awesomeness and all that good stuff, uh, that we can come back to him. <clears throat> But what we know is they were given these lame sacrifices. The robin, through offerings in particular, uh, refers back to those offerings in Malachi 1, uh, where they've been offering lame sacrifices to the priests, uh, and the priests ex accepting them in the sight of God, the people are actually keeping the best for themselves. We, we read that, that they're keeping the best for themselves, even though it is God that provides it in the first place. So the robbing in this regard is not, in my view, restricted to the tithing issue. It's really a continuation uh, of what has already been, uh, the questions that have already been asked to God and that God's asked them. And this is really just a continuation of the same problem. Um, so it's not restricted to the view and uh, the tithing issue itself, but of a wider issue where God's people effectively 
want to take the good things from God, but not have to get those blessings through a life of obedience to God. And isn't this true of us today that we all suffer from this, uh, I want uh, the the best things without really having to uh, do anything to earn it. And the strange thing is that in Jesus, we don't earn it. Absolutely right. But at the same time, when we come to Jesus, we, we don't stay as we are. I've often said this. We don't stay where we are because I've now accepted Jesus. My acceptance of Jesus means that I now grow in him and become mature continually until the day of my death and then go and meet him in heaven. My, my days are then filled with training to meet him. As the sun goes, to meet him in the air, as it were. But in regards to tithing, God's people are actually uh, not following the Old Testament command to tithe, and that's to give 10% of their grain or produce from the land to give to the Lord. Now, what God does in instructing his people to tithe and bring it into the storehouse is actually more than just getting them to follow the 10% rule. Uh, You see, the method that God uses to get them to return to him is in some ways the same way in which they turned away from him. God uses a practical exercise uh, to try to help his people understand both the spiritual and practical importance of what God gives them. Now, we notice that this happens a lot in the Bible. When God calls on his people to return to him, he helps us to learn through practical actions. Let's have a look at Joel 2, verse 12. It says this, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Again, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, common verse we've quoted a lot. It says, if my people are called by my name, will notice the action, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven uh, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Notice the action that is taking place. Notice, notice that God calls us, he says, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will we'll do this, this will happen. More will happen than what you could possibly do. So we're still called to respond to God. It's not a case of just accepting Christ in our lives and then that's it. We're, we're kind of, that I get on with my life as it was before. We, 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 our mindset, our life is changed entirely, uh, turned around completely. And this is what is awesome about how well God knows us. He knows what we do, uh, things like uh, worshipping false idols in our lives in a both inward and outward way. So he takes that about us. He takes that that outward expression that we do and says that the inward and outward behavior, he takes that and he says, learn to redirect it towards him. Because he knows that we suffer from these things. He knows that we can easily fall to these things uh, quite quite easily in some respects. But actually, God is gracious in kind of putting out these very practical things that we can do in order to learn the spiritual lesson, the deeper spiritual biblical lesson uh, that God wants us to see. Verse 10 here in our reading says, uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Uh, and pour out so much blessing that there will be not there will not be room enough to store it. God says, 
see how much more I pour my blessing out to you. That you will receive a blessing and people will witness that blessing. That's how amazing it will be. It will be nothing that you could even fathom or imagine. Uh, he says in the verses that the, 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 basically the crops will not rot. The crops, every crop will grow and nothing will, will rot or, or ripe early. Nothing will drop early than it needs to. It will be perfect in that sense. The blessing will be ever more so. But maybe as a as kind of a different way to explain this this practical um, lesson, I suppose, in, in how God uses a practical and we think, oh, you know, I've got to do this thing. But actually in doing that, what we don't sometimes understand that God puts us through purposefully sometimes these teachable moments for a greater purpose. Um, some of you, many of you might know the original Karate Kid film. Uh, I, I love that film. Um, it's, you know, you watch it today, it's as cheesy as anything. Uh, but there's a, a kid called Daniel and he persuades this karate teacher to teach him karate. But one of the first things he does uh, before any karate moves is, is to get him to paint his fence. He paints the, the teacher's fence. Um, and what you might know is that it teaches Daniel patience and, and perseverance. Uh, although we, we see a bit later, which I'm going to show you uh, what happens. But also teaches him a particular karate move, which we'll also see, uh, that emulates this same motion in painting. So when he's painting up and down, I'll show you in a moment, actually there is a, a purpose to this. He just thinks, uh, Daniel gets really angry at one point in the film, and he, he says, "Why you're just getting me to work, you're just getting me to clean your car and to, uh, and to sand your floor and to, uh, and to, and to wax the car. And, and so he does all these things, and he's, he's teaching him about how to clean cars and clean floors. Uh, and these motions, these bits of, of practical out, of outworking, have a deeper um, lesson. So I hope this works. Let's have a look at um, let's have a look at this right now. Show me wax on, wax off. Catch! 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 Show me pen to fence. I hope you could understand all that. Um, basically, <laughs> what he does here is, is he, he, he's been through all this. And just before in this scene, he actually just complains at the teacher. Uh, and he says, he just, he just really says, you're just doing this just so you get all your work done around the house. Um, and then he shows him, he says, okay, so he teaches him, this is why I'm doing it. And, and whilst I'm, I, I just use this as an example, um, you know, I don't obviously encourage violence, but um, 
there's there's this great sort of principle in here that I thought could really help us to understand a bit easier in that God using these almost day to day living with him. These these practical things that God sets before us shouldn't be redundant or shouldn't be put aside because they're from this part of the Bible, or that part of the Bible. But certainly they have their uses uh, and that we see particularly in tithing uh, that what God is doing is using the practical thing. They go, well, uh, they get stuck in the religiousness of it rather than understanding the the bigger pictures but god knows us and we we kind of have to understand this is one of the ways we learn is through practical uh action is through carrying out an action so god lays this out he says take the whole time to the storehouse and put it in there and, and what you'll get is a blessing and what you understand from the blessing is is about my relationship with you and how i want to bless you and how i want to uh, save you Again, knowing that this is coming just before uh, the New Testament. But you see what happens, uh, what appears to be just a religious practical thing that, that God wants his people to do is in fact teaching them how to return to him through uh, practical means. But will return them spiritually and wholeheartedly through learning the deeper purpose behind it. Now we have an understanding of what I believe sits behind uh, God's commands and actions. We can now start to understand the principle uh, of tithing in its importance today. Now, I just want to make something clear, which you probably should have done earlier. Uh, this does not um, uh, rule out or is, is, is not instead of the other ways we might uh, give to the church or give through the church. That might be through work, it might be through uh, the, the, the giving of your time and your treasure and all those good things. In particular, though, I'm talking about money uh, and how the, there is a practical, we have to accept a practical um, means uh, by which this is instituted because the church it lives in this world it needs a means by which it can survive so that's the basic level ultimately though um, it doesn't mean anything if a church has 50 million pound uh, and yet stores it in the bank account and does nothing with it um, actually it is still meant to use it for the purposes of the kingdom so I'm not ruling out, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad for not giving money, but this is about how do we understand the principle of tithing in terms of money. So now let's start with what tithing is not. It is not as in health, wealth and prosperity circles would have you believe to be a measure of your faith and a transaction that means if you give more money to God, through the church, God will give you more money or wealth in return. That that's not how it works. Now, look, I'm I'm totally open to the fact that God uh, is quite within His means and power to give us money and to give us wealth. However, if that's not what God sees right for us, then that is within God's authority to do that and say, "I will either give it to you or not. I will give you something else, or I bless you in, in another way." Uh, it it is not so we. It is not an investment scheme. Uh, let me just say that. It is not, tithing is not about an investment scheme where we continually uh, hit people over their head for more money. Uh, that's not how it should work. We should be giving out of a, as we'll see, out of a, a how, can I, how can I not do this? How can I not give to the work of God? Uh, and so that, that's what the, the principle is. It's certainly not about trying to create mega wealth churches. What God gives back is more than money can compare. It is a blessing, I meaning that God gives in abundance, but in measure to what we need. Uh, and often these verses, verses like these are misused, misquoted, 
uh, and often used uh, to almost, um, I would even go to the far as say tricking people into handing over money they don't even have at times. And I'll get onto that at the end, the verse that really kind of, I think really describes all of this that's really helpful. Today isn't about the Mosaic law of 10% through some kind of fulfillment of the law, for that is no longer required. So what, what is tithing or sacrificial giving today? What we, what we don't do is throw the principle of tithing out the window. Instead, we look at the motivation to tithe rather than the obligation to tithe. So we use the same principle we learned in Malachi. Here it says uh, in 2, by Paul, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, he says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I, I know that's quoted a lot. Um, and uh, let me say that a cheerful giver isn't someone who just smiles when they give money. Uh, that that isn't how it works. Cheerful giver is, is what's in here. Do do I do I give because I so feel that the Lord is 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 just is is providing for me, and I believe in that. That I can, I I just feel I want to give where where God feels uh, as God has told me to give. So th that that's that's kind of the cheerful giver. It's it's cheerful because spiritually I'm cheerful because of Jesus. So we engage with God in what he lays on our heart, in what is right to tithe. What the 10% principle can be helpful um, with is practicing how to give and learning how to trust uh, that God will still provide for your needs. I can tell you that, that we, um, my wife and I talked about 10% tithing, and I, I'll be honest with you, when, when we first talked about it, um, she, she raised it, and the, the first thing I was like, whoa, you know, what instantly stuck in my head was, my response was to was to almost not to and this was a long time ago uh, was to come up with a reason why we shouldn't and while scripture says here it is up to us to decide with god what god lays in our heart to give i almost used it as an excuse to think a way around it and this is where i'm, I'm trying to help us to understand that we need to not use scripture as a defense to not to, uh, if, if, if that makes sense, that we're not just relying on scripture to get us out of something, rather that we use the scripture in its right way, in its right context to understand how we're meant to engage with God in giving what we, we have been given from him. And so I was a little taken, taken aback and I quickly leapt to the defense in my head that it's an Old Testament law and I can give whatever I felt was right. And, and it is true, you can give whatever you feel in line with God has told you to give. And it's true, as Jesus has set us free from the law. Absolutely, I agree with that too. But the question is, what was my motive for not doing it? And that's what we need to be asking ourselves. What's the question, for, what's the motive for not doing it? Uh, one person says, one teacher says, uh, why shouldn't we? Um, so, so you might start with 10%, you might not need the percent rule. It is not about the law, but I believe that God uses scripture to help us if we're stuck in one way, he'll show us scripture from another way. And, and we'll be able to see, and hopefully we shouldn't rule out Old Testament just because it's the Old Testament. It's actually, it's because it, everything that came from there led to Jesus. So we shouldn't rule that out. I'm not saying that giving below 10% is wrong. I believe God understands our fears about letting go of things. Certainly when it comes to money and fears around having enough 
to provide for our families. But as God invites us in Malachi, test him with your giving and see how he responds. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Instead, we can look at the 10% tithe as a way of giving first fruits of the whole. But we can also ask the question of ourselves and say, what does giving first fruits to God look like in comparison to what I get? It's interesting, isn't it? You see, I believe that God gives us both a practical idea and a spiritual motivation to be a cheerful giver. Uh, the practical idea are, are, are these are, are laws in the sense in this particular context of tithing. Uh, it, it's really helpful just to understand number even that we can start with maybe. But ultimately it comes down to a spiritual motivation. We don't want that 10% or whatever percent to be something of, a, of just out of, out of compulsion because we feel we have to. Rather we do it because we're motivated by the love of Jesus who died on the cross and rose again to give us a new life. So 10% is a good practical place we can use, but equally 10% should not be the level to attain or necessarily, and I say this carefully, necessarily stop at. It might be that God has instructed, cleared, uh, uh, spoken to you and said, you need to give this much. You need to give it all away. You need to give some of it away, whatever. That is actually between you and the Lord. So it shouldn't be the law as in the sense of this is, we should be rigidly sticking to 10%. There's that risk. The risk is that we become legalistic under compulsion or worse, still do it reluctantly, not as a cheerful giver. So ultimately sacrificial giving is an expression of thanks to God in generosity of sharing with others. We find that God works through it and others will praise God as we express our thanks to God through obedience that accompanies our confession of the gospel of Christ. You see, it all works for the whole. So my answer of the way, means, and importance of tithing, as we need to understand today, can, as I just draw this to a close, can be found in Corinthians. And I think this will uh, explain, could I have just read these verses out? Probably, but it's good to go through it. So it's 2 Corinthians 8, 8 to 15, as we just close with these verses here uh, today. And it says this, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to the one, to what one has, not according to what one does not have. A desire is not that others might be re relieved while you are hard pressed, but that, that there might be a quality at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. So as we draw to a close there, 
I think the message really is uh, is probably two things. Uh, one is uh, certainly seek God in in what is tithing for you. What does what does express to God your thankfulness for Him for what He's done in your life and uh, and 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 that there's no judgment in that. That's just how um, you would uh, you would hear from God and express that in that way. Uh, I would also say, however, there are certainly harsh quite hard lessons to learn in the Bible where the wealthy people give into the ministry of Jesus and the, the, the woman came along and gave the only two coins that she had in the, in the whole of what she had. Uh, and he said, she has given more than any of these wealthy people have ever given um, because she's given everything that she has. Uh, I, I would take that to a bigger principle that Jesus is trying to teach about how we need to give everything to him. Uh, and so in our hearts and our minds, as we engage with him, and, and ask God, what is it that I need to give back to you, as it were? What is it I need to do to honour your name in my life? And so God will respond to that. And that, that is down to uh, you and God. But I hope this has been helpful in understanding that. Uh, really, the second thing, as I said, there were two things, is really this sense of equality. How are we going to uh, help others so that there is an equality, um, so that people are not left behind and people are not left uh, as... Uh, to suffer and the, the church is certainly not a place where it should be gathering and storing up uh, for itself and it should be certainly using anything it gets to try to uh, uh, further the gospel and the ministry of Jesus Christ uh, and that is what I hope for our church and so let's pray and then we'll have one last worship song and I'll close the service today Lord, we just want to thank you that you've given us what we need. Uh, Lord, that looks different to different people. Uh, it is different to each of us. Uh, but Lord, help us to understand what we're to do with it, how we're to use it, how we're to share it. Um, and Lord, we thank you that you've created the church uh, by which that work can be accomplished. And so, Lord, what we ask for is an engagement in prayer, engagement in your Holy Spirit to understand where we need to be, how we need to be expressing uh, through particularly, uh, yes, through many things, but Lord, in particular context today, how we, do we do that with, with, with money that we have that is only really actually only been done because of you? We only have earnings and, and, and wealth to a degree, whatever you call that, because of you. So Lord, help us, guide us in how we're meant to share um, uh, our uh, what you've given us so that we can express to those around us that we're not... Uh, we're not hypocrites and we're not people that are that are just telling everyone else to do it and so uh lord help us in that guide us in that lord uh, help us to seek uh private prayer with you in that so we can understand how we're meant to give uh so that your church can be uh, a, a good witness in the community around it uh lord we we lift this church to you we lift our brothers and sisters to you uh, as we worship your name one last time for today together we thank you lord amen